Chapter 18, Part 2 of A Short Account of the History of Mathematics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This is a reading by Paul King, pjk.scripts.mit.edu forward slash pkj. A Short Account of the History of Mathematics by W. W. Rouse Ball. Chapter 18. Leibniz and the Mathematicians of the First Half of the Eighteenth Century, Part Three. Laplace. Pierre Simon Laplace was born at Beaumont en Ogue in Normandy on March twenty third, seventeen forty nine, and died at Paris on March fifth, eighteen twenty seven. He was the son of a small cottager or perhaps a farm labourer, and owed his education to the interest excited in some wealthy neighbours by his abilities and engaging presence. Very little is known of his early years, for when he became distinguished he held himself aloof from both his relatives and from those who had assisted him. A similar pettiness of character marked many of his actions. It would seem that from a pupil he became an usher in the school at Beaumont, but having procured a letter of introduction to de Lambert, he went to Paris to push his fortune. A paper on the principles of mechanics excited de Lambert's interest, and on his recommendations a place in the military school was offered to Laplace. Secure of a competency, Laplace now threw himself onto the original research and in the next seventeen years, 1771 to 1787, he produced much of his original work in astronomy. This commenced with a memoir read before the French Academy in 1773, which he shewed that the planetary motions were stable and carried the proof as far as the cubes of the eccentricities and inclinations. This was followed by several papers on points in the integral calculus, finite differences, differential equations, and astronomy. During the years 1784 to 1787, he produced some memoirs of exceptional power. Prominent among those is one read in 1784 and reprinted in the third volume of the Mécanique Celeste in which he completely determined the attraction of a spheroid on a particle outside it. This is memorable for the introduction into an analysis of spherical harmonics or Laplace's coefficients, and also for the development of the use of potential, a name first given by Green in 1828. If the coordinates of two points be r mu omega and r prime mu prime omega prime, and r prime is not less than r, the reciprocal of the distance between them can be expanded in powers of r divided by r prime, and the respected coefficients are Laplace coefficients. Their utility arises from the fact that every function of the coordinates of a point on a sphere can be expanded in a series of them. It should be stated that the similar coefficients for space of two dimensions, together with some of their properties, had been previously been given by Legendre in a paper sent to the French Academy in 1783. Legendre had good reason to complain of the way in which he was treated in this manner. This paper is also remarkable for the development of the idea of the potential, which was appropriated from Lagrange who had used it in his memoirs of 1773, 1777, and 1780. 
Laplace showed that the potential always satisfies the differential equation del squared v equals the second partial derivative of the voltage with respect to x plus the second partial derivative of the voltage with respect to y plus the second partial derivative of the voltage with respect to z equals zero. And on this result, his subsequent work on attractions was based. The quantity del squared v had been termed the concentration of v and its value at any point indicates the excess of the value of v over its mean value in the neighborhood of the point. Laplace's equation, or the more general form del squared v equals negative 4 pi rho, appears in all branches of mathematical physics. According to some writers, this follows at once from the fact that del squared is a scalar operator, or the equation may represent analytically some general law of nature which has not yet been reduced to words, or possibly, I have sometimes thought, it might be regarded by a Kantian as the outward sign of one of the necessary forms through which all phenomena are perceived. This memoir was followed by another on planetary inequalities which was presented in three sections in 1784, 1785, and 1786. This deals mainly with the explanation of the great inequality of Jupiter and Saturn. Laplace shewed by general considerations that the mutual action of two planets could never largely affect the eccentricities and inclinations of their orbits and that the peculiarities of the Jovian system were due to the near approach to commensurability of the mean motions of Jupiter and Saturn. Further developments of these theorems on planetary motion were given in his two memoirs of 1788 and 1789. It was on these data that Delambre computed his astronomical tables. The year 1787 was rendered memorable by Laplace's explanation and analysis of the relation between the lunar acceleration and the secular changes in the eccentricity of the Earth's orbit. This investigation completed the proof of the stability of the whole solar system on the assumption that it consists of a collection of rigid bodies. All the memoirs above alluded to were presented to the French Academy and they are printed in the Memoirs présentés par divers savants. Laplace now set himself the task to write a work which should offer a complete solution of the great mechanical problem presented by the solar system and bring theory to coincide so closely with observation that empirical equations should no longer find a place in astronomical tables. The result is embodied in the Exposition du Système du Monde and the Mécanique Céleste. The former was published in 1796 and gives a general explanation of the phenomena with a summary of the history of astronomy but omits all details. The nebular hypothesis was here enunciated. According to this hypothesis, the solar system has been evolved from a globular mass of incandescent gas rotating around an axis through its center of mass. As it cooled, this mass contracted and successive rings broke off from its outer edge. These rings in their turn cooled and finally condensed into the planets, while the sun represents the central core which was still left. Certain corrections required by modern science were added by M. Roche, and recently the theory has been discussed critically by R. Wolf. 
The arguments against the hypothesis are summed up in Faye's Origine du Monde, Paris, 1884, where an ingenious modification of the hypothesis is proposed, by which the author attempts to explain the peculiarities of the axial rotation of Neptune and Uranus, and the retrograde motion of the satellites of the latter planet. Perhaps modern opinion is inclined to attribute the separation of the various members of the planetary system to tidal friction rather than to the successive separation and condensation of nebular rings, but the subject is one of great difficulty. According to the rule published by Titus of Wittenberg in 1766, but generally known as Bode's Law, from the fact that attention was called to it by Johann Elit Bode in 1778, the distances of the planets from the sun are nearly in the ratio of the numbers 0 plus 4, 3 plus 4, 6 plus 4, 12 plus 4, etc., and the n minus tooth term being 2 to the power n times 3, with 4 added. It would be an interesting fact if this could be deduced from either the nebular or the tidal hypothesis, but so far as I am aware, only one serious attempt to do so has been made, and the conclusion was that the law was not sufficiently exact to be more than a convenient means of remembering the general result. The substance of Laplace's hypothesis had been published by Kant in 1755 in his Allgemeine Naturgeschichte, but it is probable that Laplace was not aware of this. This historical summary procured for its author the honor of admission to the Forty of the French Academy. It is commonly esteemed one of the masterpieces of French literature, though it is not altogether reliable for the later periods of which it treats. The full analytical discussion of the solar system is given in the Mécanique Céleste, published in five volumes, volumes 1 and 2 in 1799, volume 3 in 1802, volume 4 in 1805, and volume 5 in 1825. An analysis of the contents is given in the English Cyclopedia. The first two volumes contain methods for calculating the motions of the planets, determining their figures, and resolving tidal problems. The third and fourth volumes contain the application of these methods, and also several astronomical tables. The fifth volume is mainly historical, but it gives as appendices the results of Laplace's latest researches. Laplace's own investigations embodied in it are so numerous and valuable that it is regrettable to have to add that many results are appropriated from writers with scanty or no acknowledgment, and the conclusions which have been described as the organized result of a century of patent toil are generally mentioned as if they were due to Laplace, and it is said, for I have not looked up into the matter myself, that the praise which he lavishes on Newton and Clairaut is only the cloak under which he appropriates the work of other less known writers. The Mécanique Celeste is by no means easy reading. Biot, who assisted Laplace in revising it for the press, says that Laplace himself was frequently unable to recover the details in the chain of reasoning, and, if satisfied that the conclusions were correct, he was content to insert the constantly recurring formula Il est aisé à voir. The best tribute to the excellency of the work is that it left very little for his successors to add. 
it is not only the translation of the Principia into the language of the differential calculus, but it also completes part of which Newton had been unable to fill in the details. M. Tisserand's recent work may be considered as a continuation of Laplace's treatise. Laplace went in state to beg Napoleon to accept a copy of his work, and the following account of the interview is well authenticated and so characteristic of all parties concerned that I quote it in full. Someone had told Napoleon that the book contained no mention of the name of God. Napoleon, who was fond of putting embarrassing questions, received it with the remark, Monsieur Laplace, they tell me you have written this large book on the system of the universe, and have never even mentioned its creator. Laplace, who, though most supple of politicians, was as stiff as a martyr on every point of his philosophy, drew himself up and answered bluntly, Je n'avais pas besoin de cette hypothèse-là. Napoleon, greatly amused, told this reply to Lagrange, who exclaimed, Ah, oh, c'est une belle hypothèse. Ça explique beaucoup de choses. In 1812, Laplace issued his Théorie analytique des probabilités. The theory is stated to be only common sense expressed in mathematical language. The method of estimating the ratio of the number of favorable cases to the whole number of possible cases has been indicated by Laplace in a paper written in 1779. It consists in treating the successive values of any function as the coefficients in the expansion of another function with reference to a different variable. The latter is therefore called the generating function of the former. Laplace then shews how by means of interpolation these coefficients may be determined from the generating function. Next he attacks the converse problem, and from the coefficients he finds the generating function this is offered by the solution of an equation in finite differences. The method is cumbersome, and in consequence of the increased power of analysis is now rarely used. A summary of Laplace's reasoning is given in the article on probability in his Encyclopedia Metropolitana. This treatise includes an exposition of the method of least squares, which is a remarkable testimony to Laplace's command over the process of analysis. The method of least squares for the combination of numerous observations had been given empirically by Gauss and Legendre, but the fourth chapter of this work contains a formal proof of it, on which the whole of the theory of errors has been since based. This was effected only by a most intricate analysis specially invented for the purpose, but the form in which it is presented is so meagre and unsatisfactory that in spite of the uniform accuracy of the results, it was at one time questioned whether Laplace had actually gone through the difficult work he so briefly and often incorrectly indicates. In 1819, Laplace published a popular account of his work on probability. This book bears the same relation to his Théorie des probabilités that the Système du monde does to the Mécanique céleste. Amongst the minor discoveries of Laplace in pure mathematics, I may mention his discussion simultaneously with Van der Monde of the general theory of determinants in 1772 his proof that every equation of an even degree must have at least one real quadratic factor, 
his reduction of the solution of linear differential equations to definite integrals and his solution to the linear partial equation of the second order he was also the first to consider the difficult problems involved in the equations of mixed differences and to prove that the solution of an equation in finite differences of the first degree and the second order might always be obtained in the form of a continued fraction besides these original discoveries he determined in his theory of probabilities the values of a number of the more common definite integrals and in the same book gave the general proof of the theorem enunciated by lagrange for the development of any implicit function in a series by means of differential coefficients in theoretical ph physics the theory of capillary attraction is due to laplace who accepted the idea propounded by hawksby in the philosophical transactions for 1709 that the phenomenon was due to a force of attraction which was insensible at sensible distances the part which deals with the action of a solid on a liquid and the mutual actions of two liquids was not worked out thoroughly but ultimately was completed by gauss newman later filled in a few details in eighteen sixty two lord kelvin sir william thompson shewed that if we assume the molecular constitution of matter the laws of capillary attraction can be deduced from the newtonian law of gravitation laplace in eighteen sixteen was the first to point out explicitly why newton's theory of vibratory motion gave an incorrect value for the velocity of sound the actual velocity is greater than that calculated by newton in consequence of the heat developed by the sudden compression of air which increases the elasticity and therefore the velocity of sound transmitted laplace's investigations in practical physics were confined to those carried on by him jointly with lavoisier in the years seventeen eighty two and seventeen eighty four on the specific heat of various bodies laplace seems to have regarded analysis as merely a means of attacking physical problems though the ability with which he invented the necessary analysis is almost phenomenal as long as his results were true he took but little trouble to explain the steps by which he arrived at them he never studied elegance or symmetry in his processes and it was sufficient for him if he could by any means solve the particular question he was discussing in these respects he stands in marked contrast to his great contemporary lagrange it would have been well for laplace's reputation if he had been content with his scientific work but above all things he coveted social fame the skill and rapidity with which he managed to change his politics as occasion required would be amusing if they had not been so servile as napoleon's power increased laplace abandoned his republican principles which since they had faithfully reflected the opinions of the party in power had themselves gone through numerous changes and begged for the first council to give him the post of minister of the interior napoleon who desired the support of men of science accepted the offer but a little less than six weeks saw the close of laplace's political career napoleon's memorandum on the subject is as follows géomètre de premier rang laplace n'attarda à se montrer administrateur plus que médiocre dès son premier travail nous reconnûmes que nous étions trompés 
la place ne cessant aucune question sous son véritable point de vue il cherchait des subtilités partout n'avait que des idées problématiques elle portait enfin l'esprit des infiniment petites jusque dans l'administration although laplace was expelled from office it was desirable to retain his allegiance he was accordingly raised to the senate and to the third volume of the mécanique céleste he prefixed a note that of all the truths therein contained the most precious to the author was the declaration he thus made of his devotion toward the peacemaker of europe in copies sold after the restoration this was struck out in eighteen fourteen it was evident that the empire was falling laplace hastened to tender his services to the bourbons and on the restoration was rewarded with the title of marquis the contempt that his more honest colleagues felt for his conduct in the matter may be read in the pages of paul louis courier his knowledge was useful on the numerous scientific commissions on which he served and probably accounts for the manner in which his political insincerity was overlooked but the pettiness of his character must not make us forget how great were his services to science that laplace was vain and selfish is not denied by his warmest admirers his conduct to the benefactors of his youth and his political friends was ungrateful and contemptible while his appropriation of the results of those who were comparatively unknown seems to be well established and is absolutely indefensible of those whom he thus treated three subsequently rose to distinction legendre and froyer in france and young in england and never forgot the injustice of which they had been the victims on the other side it may be said that on some questions he shewed independence of character and he never concealed his views on religion philosophy or science however distasteful they might be to the authorities in power it should be also added that towards the close of his life and especially to the work of his pupils laplace was both generous and appreciative and in one case suppressed a paper of his own in order that a pupil might have the sole credit of the discovery Legendre. Adrien Marie Legendre was born at Toulouse on September 18, 1752, and died at Paris on January 10, 1833. The leading events of his life are very simple and may be summed up briefly. He was educated at the Mazarin College in Paris, appointed the professor at the military school in Paris in 1777, was a member of the anglo-french commission of seventeen eighty seven to connect greenwich and paris geodetically served on several of the public commissions from seventeen ninety two to eighteen ten was made a professor at the normal school in seventeen ninety five and subsequently held a few minor government appointments the influence of laplace was steadily exerted against his obtaining office or public recognition and legendre who was a timid student accepted the obscurity to which the hostility of his colleague condemned him legendre's analysis is of a high order of excellence and is second only to that produced by lagrange and laplace though it is not so original his chief works are his geometrie his theorie des nombres and his calcul integral and his functions elliptiques these include the results of his various papers on these subjects 
Besides these, he wrote a treatise which gave the rule for the method of least squares, and two groups of memoirs, one on the theory of attractions and the other on geodetical operations. The memoirs on attractions are analyzed and discussed in Todd Hunter's History of the Theory of Attraction. The earliest of these memoirs, presented in 1783, was on the attraction of spheroids. This contained the introduction of Legendre's coefficients, which are sometimes called circular or zonal harmonics, and which are particular cases of Laplace's coefficients. It also includes the solution of a problem in which the potential is used. The second memoir was communicated in 1784 and is of the form of equilibrium of a mass of rotating liquid which is approximately spherical. The third, written in 1786, is on the attraction of confocal ellipsoids. The fourth is on the figure which a fluid planet would assume and its law of density. His papers on geodesy are three in number and were presented to the Academy in 1787 and 1788. The most important result is that by which a spherical triangle may be treated as a plane, provided certain corrections are applied to the angles. In connection with this subject, he paid considerable attention to geodesics. The method of least squares was enunciated in his Nouvelle Méthode, published in 1806 to which supplements were added in 1810 and 1820. Gauss independently had arrived at the same result and had used it in 1795 and published it and the law of facility in 1809. Laplace was the earlier writer to give a proof of it. This was in 1812. On the other books produced by Legendre, the one most widely known is his Edement de géométrie, which was published in 1794 and was generally adopted on the continent as a substitute for Euclid. The later editions contain the elements of trigonometry and proofs of the irrationality of pi and pi squared. An appendix on the difficult question of the theory of parallel lines was issued in 1803 and is bound up with most of the subsequent editions. His Théorie de Nombre was published in 1798, and appendices were added in 1816 and 1825. The third edition, issued in two volumes in 1830, includes the results of his various later papers and still remains a standard work on the subject. It may be said that he here carried the subject as far as was possible by the application of ordinary algebra but he did not realize that it might be regarded as a higher arithmetic and so form a distinctive subject in mathematics. The law of quadratic reciprocity, which connects any two odd primes, is first proved in this book, but the result had been enunciated in a memoir of 1785. Gauss called the proposition the gem of arithmetic and no less than six separate proofs are to be found in his works. The theorem is as follows. If P be a prime and N be a prime to P, then we know that the remainder when the square root of N to the power of P minus 1 is divided by P is either plus 1 or minus 1. Legendre denoted this remainder by N over P. When the remainder is plus 1, it is possible to find a square number which, when divided by P, leaves a remainder N, that is, N is a quadratic residue of P 
when the remainder is minus 1, there exists no such square number, and n is a non-residue of p. The law of quadratic reciprocity is expressed by the theorem that if a and b be any odd primes, then the Legendre symbol a over b times the Legendre symbol b over a is minus, the fourth root of minus 1 to the power of a minus 1 times b minus 1. Thus, if b is a residue of a, then a is also a residue of b, unless both the primes of a and b are of the form 4 times m plus 3. In other words, if a and b be odd primes, then we know that the square root of a to the power of b minus 1 is defined as plus or minus 1 mod b, and the square root of b to the power of a minus 1 is defined as plus or minus 1 mod a. But Legendre's law and the two ambiguities will be either both positive or both negative unless a and b are both of the form 4m plus 3. Thus, if one odd prime be a non-residue of another, then the latter will be a non-residue of the former. Gauss and Coomer have subsequently proved similar laws of cubic and biquadratic reciprocity, and an important branch of the theory of numbers has been based on these researches. This work also contains the useful theorem by which, when it is possible, an indeterminate equation of the second degree can be reduced to the form ax squared plus by squared plus cz squared equals zero. Legendre too here discussed the forms of numbers which can be expressed as the sums of three squares, and he proved, article 404, that the number of primes less than n is very approximately n divided by the quantity log n minus 1.08366. The Exercice de Calcul Integral was published in three volumes, 1811, 1817, and 1826. Of these, the third and most of the first were devoted to elliptic functions, the bulk of this being ultimately included in the Fonctions Elliptiques. The contents of the remainder of the treatise are of a miscellaneous character. They include integration by series, definite integrals, and in particular an elaborate discussion of the beta and the gamma functions. The Traité des fonctions elliptiques was issued in two volumes in 1825 and 1826 and is the most important of Legendre's works. A third volume was added a few weeks before his death, and contains three memoirs of the researches of Abel and Jacobi. Legendre's investigations have commenced with a paper written in 1786 on elliptic arcs, but here and in his other papers he treated the subject merely as a branch of in the integral calculus. Tables of the elliptic integrals were constructed by him. The modern treatment of the subject is founded on that of Abel and Jacobi. The superiority of their methods was at once recognized by Legendre, and almost the last act of his life was to recommend those discoveries which he knew would consign his own labors to comparative oblivion. This may serve to remind us of a fact which I wish to specially emphasize, namely, that Gauss, Abel, Jacobi, and some others of the mathematicians alluded to in the next chapter were contemporaries of the members of the French school. Pfaff. I may here mention another writer who also made a special study of the integral calculus. This was Johann Friedrich Pfaff, born in Stuttgart 
on december twenty second seventeen sixty five and died at Halle on april twenty first eighteen twenty five who was described by laplace as the most eminent mathematician in germany at the beginning of this century a description which had it not been for gauss's existence would have been true enough pfaff was the precursor of the german school which under gauss and his followers has largely determined the lines on which mathematics have developed during this century he was an intimate friend of gauss and in fact the two mathematicians lived together at helmstadt for the year after gauss finished his university course in seventeen ninety eight pfaff's chief work was his unfinished disquisitions analytiques on the integral calculus published in seventeen ninety seven and his most important memoirs were either on the calculus or on differential equations on the latter subject his paper read before the berlin academy in eighteen fourteen is still a standard authority the creation of modern geometry while euler lagrange laplace and legendre were perfecting analysis the members of another group of the french mathematicians were extending the range of geometry by methods similar to those previously used by desargues and pascal the most eminent of those who created modern synthetic geometry was Poncelet, but the subject is also associated with the names of Monge and El Carnot. Its development in more recent times is largely due to Steiner, uh, von Stott, and Cremona. Monge. Gaspard Monge was born at Bonn on May 10th. 1746 and died at paris on july twenty eighth eighteen eighteen he was a son of a small peddler and was educated in the schools of the oratorians one of which he subsequently became an usher a plan of bone which he had made fell into the hands of an officer who recommended the military authorities to admit him to their training school at mezieres his birth however precluded his receiving commission in the army but his attendance at an annex of the school where surveying and drawing were taught was tolerated though he was told that he was not sufficiently well born to be allowed to attempt problems which required calculation at last his opportunity came a plan of a fortress having to be drawn from data supplied by certain observations he did it by a geometrical construction at first the officer in charge refused to receive it because etiquette required that not less than a certain time should be used in making such drawings but the superiority of the method over that then taught was so obvious that it was accepted and in seventeen sixty eight mange was made professor on the understanding that the results of his descriptive geometry were to be a military secret confined to the officers above a certain rank in seventeen eighty he was appointed to a chair of mathematics in paris and this with several provincial appointments which he held gave him a comfortable income the earliest paper of any special importance which he communicated to the french academy was one in seventeen eighty one in which he discussed the lines of curvature drawn on a surface these had been first considered by euler in seventeen sixty and defined as those normal sections whose curvature was a maximum or a minimum mons treated them as the locus of those points on the surface as which successive normals intersect and thus obtained the general differential equation
He applied his results to the central quadrix in 1795. In 1786 he published his well-known work on statics. Mange eagerly embraced the doctrines of the revolution. In 1792 he became minister of the marine and assisted the committee of the public safety in utilizing science for the defense of the republic. When the terrorists obtained power he was denounced and only escaped the guillotine by a hasty flight. On his return in 1794 he was made professor at the short-lived normal school where he gave lectures on descriptive geometry. The notes of these were published under a regulation alluded to above. In 1796 he went to Italy on the roving commission which was sent with orders to compel the various Italian towns to offer any pictures, sculpture or other works of art that they might possess as a present or in lieu of contributions to the French Republic for removal to Paris. In 1798 he accepted a mission to Rome, and after executing it, joined Napoleon in Egypt. Thence, after the naval and military victories at England, he escaped to France. He was then made professor at the Polytechnic School, where he gave lectures on descriptive geometry. These were published in 1800 in the form of a textbook entitled Geometrie Descriptive. This work contains prepositions on the form and relative position of geometrical figures deduced by the use of transversals. The theory of perspective is considered, and this includes the art of representing in two dimensions geometrical objects which are of three dimensions, a problem which Mange usually solved by the aid of two diagrams, one being the plan and the other being the elevation. Mange also discussed the question as to whether if in solving a problem certain subsidiary quantities introduced to facilitate the solution become imaginary, the validity of the solution is thereby impaired, and he shewed that the result would not be affected. On the restoration he was deprived of his offices and honours, a degradation which preyed on his mind and which he did not long survive. Most of his miscellaneous papers are embodied in his works Application de l'Algebra à la Géométrie, published in 1805, and Application de, de l'Analyse à la Géométrie, the fourth edition of which, published in 1819, was revised by him just before his death. It contains, among other results, his solution of a partial differential equation of the second order. Carnot. Lazare Nicolas Marie Carnot born at Nolay on May 13, 1753, and died at Magdeburg on August 22, 1823, was educated at Burgundy and obtained a commission at the Engineer Corps of Condé. Although in the army, he continued his mathematical studies which he felt great interest. His first work, published in 1784, was on machines. It contained a statement which foreshadows the principle of energy as applied to a falling weight, and the earliest proof of the fact that kinetic energy is lost in the collision of bodies. In the outbreak of the revolution in 1789, he threw himself into politics. In 1793 he was elected on the Committee of Public Safety, and the victories of the French army were largely due to his powers of organization and enforcing discipline.
he continued to occupy a prominent place in every successive form of government till seventeen ninety six when having opposed to napoleon's coup d'etat he had to fly from france he took refuge in geneva and there in seventeen ninety seven issued la métaphysique de calcul infinitesimal in eighteen o two he assisted napoleon but his sincere republican convictions were inconsistent with the retention of office in eighteen o three he produces géométrie des positions this work deals with projective rather than descriptive geometry it also contains an elaborate discussion of the geometrical meaning of negative roots of an algebraical equation in eighteen fourteen he offered his services to fight for france though not for the empire and on the restoration he was exiled Poncelet. jean victor Poncelet born at metz in july first seventeen eighty eight and died at paris on december twenty second eighteen sixty seven held a commission in the french engineers having been made a prisoner in the french retreat from moscow in eighteen twelve he occupied his enforced leisure by writing the traite des propriétés projections des figures published in eighteen twenty two which was long one of the best-known textbooks on modern geometry by means of projection reciprocation and homologous figures he established all the chief properties of conics and quadrics he also treated the theory of polygons his treatise on the practical mechanics in eighteen twenty eight his memoir on water mills in eighteen twenty six and his report on the english machinery and tools exhibited at the international exhibition held in london in eighteen fifty one deserve mention he contributed numerous articles to Krell's journal. The most valuable of these deal with the explanation of imaginary solutions and geometrical problems by the aid of the doctrine of continuity. The Development of Mathematical Physics It will be noticed that Lagrange, Laplace, and Legendre mostly occupied themselves with analysis, geometry, and astronomy. I am inclined to regard Cauchy and the French mathematicians of the present day as belonging to a different school of thought to that considered in this chapter, and I place them amongst modern mathematicians. But I think that Fourier, Poisson, and the majority of their contemporaries are the lineal successors of Lagrange and Laplace. If this view is correct, it would seem that the latter members of the French school devoted themselves mainly to the application of mathematical analysis to physics. Before considering these mathematicians, I may mention the distinguished English experimental physicists who were their contemporaries and whose merits have only recently received an adequate recognition. Chief among these are Cavendish and Young. Cavendish. The Honorable Henry Cavendish born at nice on october tenth seventeen thirty one and died at london on february twenty fourth eighteen ten his tastes for scientific research and mathematics were formed at cambridge where he resided from seventeen forty nine to seventeen fifty three he created experimental electricity and was one of the earliest writers to treat chemistry as an exact science i mention him here on account of its experiment in seventeen ninety eight to determine the density of the earth by estimating its attraction as compared with that of two given lead balls the result is that the mean density of the earth is about five and a half times that of water 
This experiment was carried out in accordance with a suggestion which had been first made by John Mitchell, a fellow of Queen's College, Cambridge, who had died before he was able to carry it into effect. End of part 32. Recording by Paul King, Oakville, Ontario. HTTP pjk.scripts.mit.edu forward slash pkj.